Welcome to this episode of the Level Design Podcast. In this episode, we investigate the arcane arts of campaign director Dana Nightingale. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back. It's been a little while. Hopefully you haven't missed us too much. I am Mark Drew and I'll be guiding you through the world of level design in this episode of the Level Design Podcast, The Clues in the Name. Joining me as always, or sometimes I should say, because uh, sometimes I'm not available, is uh, Valentina Chrysostomo. Hello, Valentina. Hi, everybody. How you been doing? What's been keeping you busy these last few months? I've been playing a very interesting game, actually, and I've been getting really into it uh, design-wise. It's called Hunt Showdown. I've just discovered okay. it. So I've been busy uh, just like immersed in it so i guess you can that's what that's became a, a multiplayer hobby of mine recently. oh really so uh are we keeping <laughs> yes, you away yes. from that from that right now <laughs> you're like damn it i have to record the podcast damn it, i just want to go play hunt no it's no it's fine it's not an obsession it's okay a hobby. No, that's, and that's a good line to draw uh also joining me is a lovely johnny wilson hello johnny how are you keeping i'm keeping well uh well rested after a break but back into the swing of things now so everything's kind of i feel i'm almost at 100 percent again but it's always that slow yeah. mountain to climb as you come back after the break so but i'm getting there yeah i think i need another week to be honest that, that doesn't like fix the problem though you take another week you go back down the hill you've already started climbing it now. <laughs> right. no no I, I meant another week of work to really okay. get the, the brain juices going i think uh if i'm gonna have another break it's gonna have to involve sand and palm trees palm trees than just put a vr headset on christmas trees <laughs> and snow um, or lack of snow thereof and also joining me is the lovely robin mclachlan how are you sir you've been busy yeah i'm doing well having fun uh, i've been mostly playing this week anno 1800 which is uh, oh. a time-sucking strategy game uh, and the other thing i've been doing is, is playing a game maker garage with my kids on the nintendo switch which is a very nice little um, thing for making games. It's kind of Nintendo's effort at doing dreams. Nowhere near as okay. magical and flexible as uh, the incredible creation of Media Molecule, but um, nevertheless, a lot of fun to use. Are you just like starting them young so they can arm <laughs> off some of your work during the Somehow day? Somehow they have got it in their heads that they want to be game designers as well. And uh, I I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not ready to... <laughs> Why? I'm not ready to crush their dreams yet. I mean, I mean, if you if you encourage them, they might later turn out to be doctors. Well, there you see, maybe they'll maybe they'll rebel and uh, become something incredibly worthwhile. Instead. I mean, it is a worthwhile cause. Yes, isn't it? we we bring we bring excitement and joy to millions of people worldwide. Absolutely, and more importantly, and I don't mean to belittle my co-hosts, but we have our guest this week, which is the the wonderful Dana Martin girl from. Arcane, hence the cryptic clue in the in the title. In case you didn't guess, welcome to the show, Dana. Thank you. It's it's great to be here, and it's it's good to meet all of you. Likewise, Arcane's games like Prey, Dishonored, uh, Deathloop, I think, are the most talked about games in level design. I mean, they're talked about because they're fun games, etc. But I think when when you start studying level design and and looking into it, I think you can't but look into some of the levels that you've worked on i've got to say so i don't want to go too deep into like sort of uh clockwork mansion uh and a whole host of other levels that are i think the gold standard if i have not said that already of mm. of of the craft Thank so you. having you here is <laughs> it, it makes us as level designers with my level design hat on i have a level design hat somewhere around here that is is a pleasure to have you on, on the show. We can really get down and talk talk about that. But you've also now become. I'm going to guess this recently, and if it, please correct me if I'm wrong, you're now campaign manager, at uh, uh, director, campaign director. Oh, but, yes. oh <laughs> even even higher uh, at Arcane, which is, which mm-hmm. is what what a wonderful position to be in, in in making some wonderful games. You know, it's a lot of responsibility. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to rise to the challenge and, and continue to make the studio proud. You know, it, it just, you, you were singing praises uh, before. I just want to make sure I ch- take the chance to 
like, like say that it has been always a tremendous privilege to work with these level design teams uh, in uh, Arcane Leon, which I've worked with um, for, for most of my career and, and Arcane Austin back in Dishonored, uh, Dishonored One. You know, it, like I always hope that what I do is elevating the entire team and they are like, they're tremendous to work with. Like, I, 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 I'm always surprised thinking, uh, how can it get better than this? And then we go ahead and make it better. Um, they're delightful people to work with. So very, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's very nice to hear uh, your, your compliments towards the work we do. And like, I just want to give that back to the team. Absolutely. And I'm pleased, don't take my, my, me congratulate um it's one way that i can talk to the rest of the team that's working in these things uh but yes. you didn't start out of nowhere uh, was it working on thief levels because that's yes. another like that's that's another high bar to set or <laughs> mods right on, yes on like... i to, to, to be clear i never worked at looking glass or iron storm i was a modder i was i right. was making thief mods yes i um i got started in that uh, right at the beginning, uh, after uh, Thief uh, the Dark Project was released, uh, a couple of us banded together and, and, and pestered Looking Glass until they released their level oh, really? editor. <laughs> and that, yes, we did. We we did a little. Uh, we did a little camp. We had our little online petition. I think it got something like, I don't know, ninety signatures or something. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, back back in. Uh, 1998 or whenever it was that was half the internet then wasn't it yeah that's half the yes. internet. Yeah, yeah, yes exactly you know like nowadays you have like a, a petition.org or something like that and yes anyone <laughs> will sign it. but the fact that someone's emailing you like actual names that's amazing um and how do you you know something that we cover a lot on the podcast or comes up a lot is how people get into the into the industry quote unquote and i'm gonna like, well, you know there are some some ways but you didn't go like were you studying you weren't studying like game design or anything you were studying i was studying uh, architecture okay that'll explain why the levels are pretty good right because there isn't a... <laughs> just a bit yeah <laughs> that's playing on expert level like... yeah yeah you can't surpass uh, someone who knows architecture. it's like over you won the field it, it, it's like, but, but again to, to clarify i got a degree in architecture but i was never an architect i uh I, I had the, the, the pleasure of graduating, uh, I think it was 2008, which was like the height of the, of the recession at the time. Oh. And um, just the, the whole uh, housing market crashed. There was no work for architects. So time to go back to plan A, which was, you know, I always wanted to work on video games. Maybe, maybe there's still work there. And a couple of years later, I managed to find it. And this was at Arcane. This was the first place that you yes, started. Yes, I, I got my start at Arcane. They, they decided to give me a chance. <laughs> it's a perfect transition from Thief and then uh, Arcane Games, which is another immersive scene, basically. And what got you into Thief in the first place? What, what inspired you to start modding Thief and not some other game? What's so special about Thief, for example, for you? Well, uh... I remember being, I think, like 11 or 12 years old and playing Ultima Underworld, the, the first game by Looking Glass Studios. I think they were called Blue Sky Productions at the time. And it, it just completely redefined to me what a video game was and what it could be and like what experience someone could have in a, in a video game. And then they just kept following that up with, with like more and more interesting games. Uh, when System Shock came out, I uh, I was spending my uh, my my time in class with with a, like a graph paper and uh, <laughs> and uh, my notebook, uh, sketching out levels for System Shock uh, in, in my notebook, just completely ignoring uh, what the teacher was saying. But you know, I was doing important work there. <laughs> Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and <laughs> I think the world thanks you for, 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 <laughs> that, for missing that part of history. Yes. You know? um, so then, when when Thief was was uh, coming out, it was like, of course, I'm gonna I'm going to, going to play Thief, and I had already made like uh, made a website dedicated to Thief before it came out, like uh, like a couple of months before it came out. What was the website focused on? Was it the level design of it, or just the law? It it was just. Uh, it was it was conceptualized as like a hub for the fans of these games. Uh, we we called it through the looking glass, uh, ttlg.com, nice. and uh, 
we uh, <laughs> it, it was it was me and a, and a, a bunch of other folks, and um, I I kind of handled like the the, the web design and and the sharing of news stories parts, and other folks uh, handled the. The, the community aspects of it. And that went on for a couple of years. And that's how uh, the community gathered around and was able to put together that petition to get the editor released. And, and then we had like, like the editor comes out and there's already like this, this pretty small, but, but very, um, very ambitious uh, crowd of people who are just ready to dig in and start making maps for Thief. And uh, I, spent, I spent so many years doing that, like, um, like like one uh, one map for a thief might take me between uh, three and seven years to to complete, and and always working with uh, with big teams of people on them. This this was a very social uh, hobby of mine, working with with uh, with people online, uh, tightly knit teams, uh, working together when when we could. Uh, like I say, seven years, but I was also doing my my architecture degree during that time. Your time so was preoccupied. Like, as I well. mean, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. I like how you say preoccupied as as in like you know, you know that thing getting in the way of the actual <laughs> thing that you want to do. Yes. Yeah, it's it's fascinating because the modding communities back then, like I feel they were so different to how you would get anything now. Because obviously now everyone turns to Unity or Unreal and tries to build something from scratch. But the way I think modern communities for something like Thief, it looks like it is those like diehard fans that just want to expand the world. I guess like you want to put your own spin on mm. it and put your own stamp on something you're really passionate about. And I just, I find that stuff kind of really fascinating. It was through uh, a TTLG that I actually. Um got in touch with, with a fellow named uh, Rafael Colantonio, who was uh, creating a game with, with a couple of, of uh, his friends called Arcs. And uh, he, thought my, <laughs> he thought I and, my, and my, uh, the people who were reading my site might be interested in it. And, and of, like my mind was just blown. This was the first time I had seen um, someone uh, outside of like, um, you know, now this is uh, after Looking Glass had closed and uh, the torch is being carried by uh, Ian Storm and, and Irrational, but like this is the first time I'd seen a new studio just come come out there and like okay we're also going to do games in the style uh, of Looking Glass we're creating a, we're creating a game in the vein of Ultimon World and I was so excited and I and I I talked with uh, Raf I, uh, I I did an interview with him I posted it on my site and then um, a whole nother story happened that. I was not aware of until years later of like, like what, what was the result uh, of that interview? Um, I hope you can get someone on here some way to tell that someday to tell that story. But um, I wouldn't know what, what that contribution meant until many years later, but uh, I stayed in touch with them. And uh, there, there was, there was often on a discussion about me doing uh, level design work with them. They were playing my thief mods and, and so forth. And uh, uh, especially my, my predecessor, my mentor, uh, Christophe Carrier, who was, the, who was the, the campaign director before me and, and lead level designer before that, was, was a big champion uh, of my work uh, on, the, on the Thief mod. So he was, he was one of the, the, the people inside Arcane. Now, like, this is fast forward now to like 2010 when I'm, when I'm uh, once again trying to, to join the team. Uh, he, he was one of the, the, the people who was was saying uh, yes take a chance on on this person they have no experience but but uh but her mods are fantastic um, um and god like like he had no idea how clueless i was actually <laughs> i had no idea what i was doing but uh i'm glad it didn't show and they gave me a chance and um i joined uh Christoph's team as a level designer there was no concept at Arcane of like a junior level designer or a senior level designer or anything like that. You're on the team and you're a level designer, period. Um, of, co of course, the more experienced members of the team will, will, will guide and, and tutor, tutor the, uh, the younger team members, but uh, you get up to speed really fast and then you have the same responsibilities uh, as everybody else. So that was a, that was, that was a really intense first year. I guess it was like five or six months at Arcane Austin, and then I switched over to to uh, to Lyon, and we finished up finished up Dishonored. Uh, what when did we finish that? Uh, Twenty twelve, I guess it was. It's funny that feels like such a long production, but it was actually one of my shorter productions. But it's my first time, 
So like in my, in my memory, it just went on forever, but, but no, it was actually quite brief. So yeah, that's, that's my, that's my origin story uh, at Arcane. The origin. <laughs> I have a, a shameful admission and, and to, to make that at first I couldn't grok Dishonored. Mm. I think, you know, it was like the, the first Dishonored and then like, yeah. you know, and then one time I think out of, I think Dishonored 2 came out and I started playing it and went like, okay, look, before I start getting into this, let me go back and, and go through it and i can't tell you why it was i think it was like the setting i was i've been playing I, look for my shame all right it's my shame and i have to live with it which is like call of duty or something and then i went into dishonored and it was a kind of like it was a style thing it wasn't a gameplay thing i wasn't sure what i was doing i think if i look back on my play style then it was going to be i think very chaotic mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it would be going along the chaos because i did not know what i was doing and then i grokked it and i was like oh wow wow you know, then I really, really enjoyed it. So well, that's I, my shame and I'll have to live with it. My, my my similar admission was I was kind of in the same boat with the original Deus Ex when that first came out. I also didn't crack it. Um, and, and I hope Harvey, I hope you're, I hope you I hope you're listening, Harvey. <laughs> Rob's like, yeah, yeah. Too. yeah, same for me too. Like the, the dialogue was so goofy and the, like all the spaces were so big and I was used to Thief and I was used to those very tight, those very tight encounters, the, the cool writing, the, the dense atmosphere. Deus Ex was something totally different. And it took me a couple of years and a couple of tries to get into it. But then, of course, like I was I was converted. Sometimes so, that's one of those things that is someone that, that's been against something that suddenly turns for it really goes for it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's like people that are like, oh, yeah, it's great. This is great. Everything's great. They don't have that passion of going into it. But you've managed to work on some of the i just want to talk about the work that you've done i know that you you've covered this endlessly <laughs> in other places for example the clockwork mansion uh for the sort of two specific mm. specifically but you did the flooded district and yes and a whole bunch of stuff the, the clockwork mansion for me was one of those things that and for a lot of people blew their mind as a level designer i think i just threw my mouse across the room and i played it <laughs> um but like oh i'm not gonna ever achieve this level of stuff because it was a wow right yeah um yeah i'm not sure how to to phrase this question and it's very bad as a host of the podcast <laughs> right asking the question <laughs> this is your job how does one <laughs> yeah it's my job i'm just failing at my job <laughs> how does one start grokking that in, in their head when you when you're building it like mm. Do you, do you see what i'm getting at because it, it, at the end it's very complex there's a lot of things happening but how do you just come up with like all right very 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 slowly (laughs) um i i made a a a twitter thread about this actually and i i explained that before any work was done on the clockwork mansion that you saw in the game we spent a year just making prototypes oh wow like like, like a whole year and you know sometimes you kind of need to um I think the term is fail fast. Like you'd have to just try something and go with it to see what, see, to like to see if it doesn't work so you can change. Uh, that it was the opposite of that, the exact opposite of that. It was, we're going to spend uh, like basically a year just like in research development mode. And it was just prototype after prototype, all these different versions of it, um, versions that were far more extreme than what we shipped, versions that were far more timid than what we shipped. There was, like there's the prototype where it's just a couple of secret doors and the, the version where like every single piece of floor can move it. it um, and then I played Portal 2 and I'm like, okay, that's been done. But but then, you know, you do all those prototypes and then the art team gets involved and they're the ones that take it to its, its full potential. So I can be doing my design like on, on this map specifically, the, the Clockwork Mansion in particular, really depended on uh, the art team to take all of this, all of these prototypes, all of these ideas, and and be like, okay, we got this, and then they go with it, and then they they're working with all of their incredibly talented mm-hmm, people, mm-hmm. and um, you know, my my uh, my level artist on that map was uh, David DiGiacomo, who was like uh, able to join us on that uh, Game Maker's Toolkit episode that we did. 
Right, um, I was going to mention that. that, that was if you watch the full version, yeah. he says a lot more. There's a lot more David in the full version. So you said, like, you obviously, this was, it's a very elaborate space. Like, if, if anyone hasn't played it, they all should go and play it and check it out and just see how many moving parts there are to this thing. Uh, you spent a year prototyping, and obviously the you said it was kind of art was going to make this thing. It is a very elaborate space and stuff. How much of art was involved in the prototyping stages, or was it not until you got to the latter half where you're like, right, how do we make this work in a real architecture sense sort of thing? Uh, during the prototyping, it was all me. I've, I put some some clips up on uh, uh, in that Twitter thread of what the map looked like when I was doing everything. So it's all like these rough, like gray shapes and and, uh, and like gray box gears and all that stuff moving. It's level, it's, it's level design art, it's fine. That's what we all love here. Level really. design art, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But when we started, when, when it was time to work on the actual map that was gonna go into the game, that's when the art team joins. Um, but also, you know, in, in parallel, they were doing their own prototypes too. So it's not, it's not totally true that, um, like, like they, they were involved with the prototyping phase two, but during that stage, the attitude was like, I'm going to do my uh, pure vision. They're going to do their pure vision and, and not be influenced by each other too much. Yeah. And then there's going to be a moment where you have to meet and we're going to see where the ideas click together. It's kind of that point of convergence. Like you've all gone away and done your thing. And I guess the, the stress for art would have been, how do we do an evolving space that can yeah. evolve in so many different yeah. ways? And I imagine for yeah. artists, that's quite fun then just go and recreate this exact clock tower or something like that. It's like, how do you make this jigsaw Rubik's cube sort of amalgamation? So for example, uh, if th th we did a, a cinematic trailer for the game, uh, we worked with, I think it was Blur Studio on this. And that trailer was based on the prototypes that, was that were coming out of the art team. So at that time, we're still prototyping the map. Like the map doesn't exist yet. It's all prototypes and ideas and, and concepts. But the art team, and they're doing their prototypes. So at that point, it was like they just like made a big zip file and, and tossed it into uh, Blur's lap and be Don't like, it. just there you go. <laughs> do this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> I, 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 of course, it was nothing like that. Uh, that was just my imagination. Yeah. But yeah. like that, that's yeah. a story for like maybe uh, Sebastian Nitton to, to share about how they uh, how they collaborated with with that studio to, to create that trailer. But like that, I just mentioned it as an example of like that was the direction the art team was coming from. While I was figuring out like what's 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 the player's goals going to be? What's the layout? What's the flow? What's the sequence of encounters? What's the what is it like to have Jinash talking to you all the time? What triggers that? What kinds of things does he say? And those are very subtle things in game design, in well level design, which are people always think is the visual side or the walls or the triggers, but it's also like the atmosphere because you're trying to provide an exp uh, 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 an experience or a journey in a way. One of the things that uh, always interests me with, like, you know, uh, when we, like, watch these documentary videos and it's like, oh, this level or this section of this game is, like, so amazing and we talk about either level design or whatever makes it so amazing. And I'm always wondering, like, in the background when you were developing the prototype and whatnot, what was the one main worry that you had that could just break the whole thing? And, like, if this thing falls apart, the whole thing falls apart. Is, was there something, like, specific that yes. you were, like, worrying about? Like, what would that this, be? This was a concern. Just, yeah, I know. <laughs> this was a concern that was not alleviated until very late, and that's could could the AIs handle it? That that was the biggest mm -hmm. concern. It's like, there, there's... There's can the player handle it and can like the art, the rendering, the physics, can all that handle it? But if the AI can't handle it, then that doesn't work because this like Dishonored is a game that where the interplay between the player and the NPCs is so integral to the experience. And if, they, and if the AI can't work in this space, then the map doesn't work. And we, we did not know for sure that, they, that the AI was going to work until like almost, pro probably probably almost alpha or like sometime during alpha when finally things were all clicking together. Like we finally had all the tech to make sure that the, the enemies could navigate the map while it was in configuration A, they could continue to navigate while it was transforming. And then when it was finished transforming, they could navigate the new layout. 
and it just had to work seamlessly. That was incredible. Yeah, I, I gotta say, when I played that level and I played it a few times, I, I personally didn't notice any AI bugs. I'm pretty sure there's probably videos on YouTube people find, but it worked like so seamlessly that you don't think about that that could have been an issue. Like You were cutting up the environment, so of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was a pain in the neck to so many AI programmers for like a year. <laughs> There were so many of them who were just sick of seeing me pop up at their desk and be like, I need your help. I need your help. <laughs> but together, we, we, we got it done all together. I, I think I, I want to say at least like four or six AI programmers were needed all together to, to solve all the problems that we were having. Is it fair to say it's the most complex mission in Dishonored 2? Like, for, like you're talking about the technical overhead and the AI and things like that. It's like, it does sound like it took a lot of tech resources to get this to work like seamlessly like we just described. Like, but if we look at things in terms of, I guess, effort or intensity, is that the most like resource heavy mission within Dishonored 2? Is that a fair assumption? Or is this something we don't realize? <laughs> I think there's three ways to look at what's the most difficult map. Okay, I'm going to go with four ways to look at what's the most difficult map. So mine might have been more difficult just like purely on a, on a tech level, but like the puzzle design in uh, Crack in the Slab, I think that was much more difficult than, than what I did, designing all the puzzles and that, making them intuitive, making them satisfying, making it react in ways that, um, that, that felt correct. And like, it didn't betray player agency. It didn't create a situation where you expected one outcome and it gave you something else. It continued to surprise you. That was super hard. Um, like from, a, from like a narrative design standpoint, I think probably a dust district might've been uh, the toughest one on the map because you suddenly you're dealing with characters. You're not just dealing with NPCs, you're dealing with characters. And they eat like all the different characters want different things. You could have different relationships with them. There was different things you could do to make them respond in different ways. And it all had to make sense and it all had to be cohesive. It all had to be fun and satisfying. Uh, and then we let you skip that map. <laughs> yes, with the puzzle, right? Yeah. The, wow. I don't remember okay. the exact puzzle, but I did that puzzle and I skipped the map. I'm sorry. I was like, I'm going to do this puzzle. What? I just wanted to figure it out yeah. so bad. I'm like, yes, I figured it's it out. It's bypass everything. Just that, okay. I, I replayed it afterwards, though. I played, okay, I right, right. I was about to say, yeah, yeah. get out. Get My out. first playthrough was like, I was just so enticed by that locked door. I needed it to be unlocked. <laughs> and then you locked it and you went through. Oh. Um, but but my, my work on Deathloop has given me new insight to what now I feel like is probably the most difficult thing to do. And that's the beginning of the game. That's the, that's the onboarding, the, the mm. tutorialization. That's teaching the player about what kind of game it is. What are the rules of the game? What, what is the world? Who are the characters? What are the stakes? And um, the people with that task on uh, Dishonored 2 had a tremendous load to bear because this was not just a sequel to Dishonored. This was a sequel to Knife of Dunwall and Brigmore Witches, which, which, were, which had far fewer, far fewer people were even aware of those. It, was, it had this, all of this narrative weight that it needed to just like carry. So you're introducing players to what is an immersive sim and introducing players to like, okay, what, what is the world of Dishonored? And oh, by the way, this is actually like chapter uh, four of a story. <laughs> so, so, so get ready to have like eight names come at you within, within the first 30 seconds and to not know what's going on. And, yeah. so and that, all the that relationships and everything else. Yes. I mean, this is something that you see in like, um, problems with disney when you have that much weight not not the same same uh, thing but that much weight in in storyline and and world building right that you start getting to do nothing do you know what i mean it's like like if you did like fifth dishonors like not that arcane could probably pull it off but it's like you're seeing this with disney with star wars it's like getting to the point that you can't change the universe you can't say and all the skywalkers were wiped out you know, it's like, well, no, you can't do that. That's, that's our whole merchandising line. That would be the easy option. <laughs> right, yeah, I, because I, you can start again, right? I think you can do it. I think Marvel makes it work. I think Marvel definitely makes right. it work. But it's, it's very difficult, though. 
Yeah. They took 10 years. Yeah. Like if we look yes. at the original like <laughs> MCU, it was 10 years of world building, character building, story development. That was a very long time. The P- they managed to stick the landing just but uh, and like... to be fair, there was like 50 or 60 years of comic books that they could rely on. Mm. But if you've got like an IP and you're trying to like do it and you're trying to progress it, I mean, I'm not uh, this is unrelated to, to obviously Dishonored. Uh, and this is why you, I think sometimes you have to go, okay, now we're moving on to something else. And it's lovely to see Arcane going like, yeah, we're the kings of immersive sims, but we're going to do like Prey. And you're like, wait, what? I thought you were going to do the... I have the music of Dishonored in my head right now, but I'm not going to sing it. But you know what I mean? It's like, we're going to do Prey. And you're like, wait, that's not but another amazing game. And then, of course, you know, Deathloop, which, look, I, I failed to do a description of what Deathloop is. It's, it's in the name, but, you know. no, Nobody can explain Deathloop in, like, under 30 seconds. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, well, that's fair. you know, it's handy we've got a podcast that can be as long as you like. For Deathloop, you you started as a campaign director. I, uh, no, for I started oh. as a level designer on Deathloop. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, uh, and then during development, you yes you, that changed. Okay. Okay. Yes. And how was the transition to that, for example? Is that a very different role, right? It was actually surprisingly smooth. So I, I, I jumped into uh, the, the, the death loop, like pre-production team when it was quite small. At the beginning, this game is like uh, kind of the baby of, uh, of Christophe Carrier and our, our narrative, uh, lead narrative at the time, uh, Sashka Duval. And they've got all these like crazy cool ideas of what this game is. Uh, Christophe is the guy who had the idea of like it's going to be four locations, four times a day. There's going to be a murder puzzle. You have to like find clues and follow leads. So like my first day working on uh, on Death Loop, like I'm I'm seeing this diagram that now is like etched into my mind forever of that four by four <laughs> grid with with the the district names on one side and time of day on the other. I'm just imagining a board with yarn and pictures yeah. everywhere. Now. That's kind <laughs> of it. No, yes, basically. like 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 uh, dry erase markers, but yes, exactly like that. And and uh, Christoph was like, uh, okay, so we're trying to figure out what to do about this guy. He's a scientist. He's like out in the middle of nowhere, and, he, and like there's a party going on, and we need the player to do something to get him to the party. So I'm like, okay, this is super cool. I'm really into this, and I, I immediately just like became uh, so thrilled with the idea of working on these puzzles that that just crossed uh, the entire game so multiple levels involved multiple locations and you had to like do all these steps and play with time you had to do this now and then you had to do this earlier then you had to go back there so it was almost a, a disappointment when I had to go back to doing level design at that point <laughs> because uh, like okay we're going to make uh, the prototype we're going to do the vertical slice it's going to be uh, the Updam district. Uh, Dana, how about you do the level design for Alexis Dorsey's mansion? And um, it's like, yeah, cool. That that seems great. I designed it basically like a thief map, like I always do. Yeah. Uh, you, you heard it here first. Uh, Alexis Dorsey's mansion yeah. is a thief map. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're still using the same modding tools. From- Just exactly. exactly. Yes. Yeah, but but what I mean is like I use the exact same like design ethic that I would use to design a thief map to, to design this place. The way I, I uh, approach the process of a first envisioning first envisioning it as a real place. How would this place function as a as a, as an actual location? And like 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 filling out the hierarchy of needs. Like first hierarchy is this is the home of a rich asshole. Second hierarchy is an awesome party has to be happening here. And uh, the third one is, God, what, what was the third one? Probably just like the whole aspect of you having to infiltrate. And so like the player's experience is like the third tier on that list because it has to be credible first and foremost. It has right. to be believable that like this is a place that's serving this function. So I worked on that for um, like the, the duration of the, the pre-prod time, the finished up the vertical slice. And then continued on uh, do, doing level design for that map. 
for maybe another year of production. And during that time, I'm still so fascinated by the murder puzzle. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, and, and like I was doing with the AI uh, programmers uh, during Clockwork Mansion, I was always at like a Toff's desk or, or, or Dinga's desk or Sasha's desk. And I'm like, what if we did this? What if we did that? Like, or like, I, I see a problem here. I like, like, I think we should solve this. Like, ah, oh, this doesn't quite make sense. What if we did that? Like, wouldn't it be cool if Wenji had uh, had her own lead? Wouldn't it be cool if Wenji had a lead? So uh, to to make a long story short, Christoph eventually um, moved on to the studio. I I believe he's actually. I'm not. I'm not going to like goof up and say the wrong thing. I, I'm pretty sure I know where he is, but I, I don't want to misspeak. But I know he's still doing. He's still uh, in the industry uh, doing work. I'm not sure. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll edit the program so you can say a whole range of names. I could be confusing him. I, 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 we also had our, our lead level designer at that time, um, Joaquin Davio, who, who was, again, like a great mentor to me and helped me so much making Clockwork Mansion and the Lexus Dorsey's and, and all that stuff. Um, I know for sure that he's at Wolf High working on Weird West. But anyway... I was always at their desks, like, like saying, uh, we've got to push these, we have to push the murder puzzle farther. We have to do this. Wouldn't it be cool if that happened? It, it's, it's almost like a, a custom at Arcane. If you, if you care too much about something, then it officially becomes your job. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're being too much of a pain in the neck about a certain topic, it's like, okay, now you are the, like the person responsible for this thing that you won't shut up about. Yeah, please make them <laughs> shut up. So just give them the like content yeah. to work at. <laughs> Your turn to do yes. it. In a, in a strange way, it sounds like a very French way of doing it. Like, well, if you care so much about it, you do it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Of course, uh, the actual process was, wasn't that silly. Um, <laughs> no, of course Yeah, not. we're just making fun of it. Yeah. I, I, uh, I believe it was uh, Dinga, Dinga Bakaba who first recommended that I uh, take over. Uh, that job officially. So uh, I started off as a campaign designer, as a member of the level design team. Like I'm still a member of the level design team to be clear, but I was working, um, uh, it, at first it was going to be mostly focused on working with all the level designers on the design of the murder puzzle. But as time went on, this became more and more of a collaboration with narrative and more and more a collaboration with these your experienced designers. And that, that was the big uh, surprise. And that was the big moment where I realized that I had to like, like I had so much more to learn because I'm not just a level designer anymore. I'm a, I'm a UX designer just like by, by uh, I don't wanna say by default, but just like out of necessity because we had so much work to do uh, I, like I was explaining before, I, uh, I now I understand how difficult it is to design the beginning of the game. One of my biggest responsibilities on Deathloop wasn't necessarily um, like continuing on the design of the, of the, of the murder puzzle that, uh, that I was so, so excited to work on, but we have to design an introductory chapter to the game now. We were seeing the, the user research reports and um, People were just lost. People just didn't know what to do. <laughs> they would finish the tutorial. The tutorial map was great. No problems there. They were excited. We dumped them into the game world and they were just like, now what? Now, do, now what do I do? So it took about, uh, I, I don't know how long we worked on this thing, but there was this, this big, um, big effort to create a, a new introductory chapter to the game. And now I'm doing a GDC talk about that. Wow. Oh, amazing! That's incredible. It's, that's I mean, uh, that's the talk I'm working is... on right now. I do. Uh, I think it's a, it's it's uh, it's like 40, 45 minutes, uh, plus Q and A at the end, of me like walking the uh, the audience through the process of how we designed the opening chapter uh, of Deathloop, and how after we designed the opening chapter of Deathloop, we realized that. The entire rest of the structure of the of the entire game had to be changed <laughs> wow. because wow. Like, because even even I, like I'm, I'm spoiling uh, what the GDC spoiler talk is alert be, only heard I, I, I I won't give too much away but um, but no go and see the, the the GDC talk right this is how we sell tickets to GDC yeah. we'll put a link to to our to our voucher I'm a, I'm a GDC and... advisor to be clear like I'm on, <laughs> I'm on the staff I'm not just shilling for them for no reason <laughs> um, I am hoping to make it this year. 
because I, I was about to go in 20. I, I will be attending uh, virtually. I'm not going in person. Um, but uh, right. So I, I realized that it wasn't enough to introduce the work, the player into the world, like the whole way the world worked kind of needed to change to be, to, to, to connect better to what the player was seeing and experiencing. There, there, there's the version of the game that existed at one point, which is I know the version that so many people would have wanted to play where like the game just doesn't help you at all. <laughs> no handholding at all. Like you are on your own. And it became my job at one point to, to solve that. Like I, I, I was very much in love with that original version. I'm, I'm the kind of, of a designer and player who likes to give the player that type of challenge. of mysterious yeah. challenge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, um, but also we wanted people to enjoy the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, you wanted people to, and you can more. still toggle the markers off. That's still possible. Well, there's a, there's there's a point, isn't there, at which you realise that designing puzzles is relatively easy um, in terms of uh, in level design, but when you've got to try and explain something instead, that's when it gets really really tough, and that's when you start having to really flex those muscles to use all the tricks you have at your disposal to show the player what's going on. I mean, how how do you think you've developed those skills, Dana? I mean, from from when you started in thief, thief map development, you were working in a world that everyone knew and everyone was mostly enthusiastic about if they were downloading fan levels. Yes. So you had this kind of shared yes. understanding of things. But to how, how do you think you've developed over your career in terms of that that expertise to move from being almost a sort of outsider to an insider and back to an outsider again? It's 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 really hard to explain. I I know that a, a, you you gave uh, the example of of the thief crowd, and in that case, you have a very specific audience, and you know them very well, and you know exactly what they want, and you can serve that audience. Um, but that that wasn't going to happen with with Deathloop. It was a totally new thing. We uh, we knew it was going to attract a much different audience than than even uh, the, the Dishonored games. So we were kind of starting over from scratch. And um, the, I, think, I think the two things I had to, to uh, remember, one easy and one hard, the easy one is just trust your testers, mm -hmm. trust the people in QA. If they're saying something isn't working, trust them. Trust the people at user research. If they, like, if they tell you this is happening, believe them. Trust the, like all the different um, people that are coming in to give advice and input. Um, and don't panic. Don't, um, don't have like a, a knee jerk reaction. Don't like, like take the, like, you know, take a sword out and start slashing it up and being like, ah, nothing works. Ah! <laughs> because the, and like that, that leads into what the second part is, which is much harder is that is to understand that the part of the game, the players are saying is the problem isn't necessarily the problem. J just to give a, a quick example of that, early on we were seeing that players were like tackling, um, th this requires some knowledge of, of Deathloop to make sense, but players were tackling Frank's Casino like immediately after, the, at, at the end of the, the guided tour. So the game finishes his introduction and all the players were going straight to Frank's casino and just dying over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> and, over and they were rage quitting. And like the feedback was Frank's casino is too hard. This is one of the most difficult stages in the game and the wrong move there. Um, and, and this, this isn't necessarily my insights. This is insights from like Dinga and, and our lead level designer, you know, and Sake and, and everyone being like, no, the map works as design. The design is good. The problem is, why are players going directly to Frank's casino? <laughs> like, what's going on there? It's like, that shouldn't be fast sort of thing. It's like, the player shouldn't be led here after the tutorial. Well, we, we looked at the way the campaign was structured, and, and very soon it was quite obvious. It's like, oh, yeah, that's one of the first hints we give you, because... Uh, like you see the fireworks display and you get the clue that, oh, Frank sends up fireworks. Maybe I can do something about that. So you immediately start off with this clue about Frank. Um, the UI is arranged so that uh, Frank's map is like front and center. He's at the top of the list of the leads. So there's all this stuff telling the player, start with Frank. 
And, and none of that was actually necessary to do. We could like go, actually, no, let's move you over here. And like, actually go after Harriet first or go after Igor first. Those are much easier experiences. And, and, and the problem went away and we didn't have to, to like lower the difficulty uh, of this map, which we were all very proud of. Like the, the level designer of that map, Tristan Pluchot, he, he, he did this work that we were all proud of and we were not ready to go in there with just like a pair of scissors and be like, cut this, cut that, reduce the number of enemies here, take out that turret, or like make the section easier. Weaken that whole area, right? <laughs> like, no, like, not gonna do that. this is a really cool uh, stage for the player to experience at like hour five, not hour two. One of the best things actually that you mentioned and that like um, I've been just like dying also to hear from other people, like how like how the feedback works that like the first one is like you have to listen to everybody but the second one is like they probably don't know why where the problem is they'll tell you oh my god this combat is so difficult but maybe something they did beforehand did that and that's the problem and it's like this like such a there's such a pressure to this kind of like receiving feedback and listening to feedback because you're like you might feel like oh my god i'm doing my job wrong or what is wrong here but then you kind of have to like wait they're telling me this, but it could be an easy fix by just arranging the UI and then suddenly, boom, it's it's like fixed in that way. And that's amazing. It's like like that these little design choices that we don't get to hear often. And then that's, I think that's really important for game development, like this sort of feedback, feedback loop. That Those insights are the superpower of the user research analysts. But also the solutions there is, is something that reminds me of, there was a hypnotist uh, shaman called Darren Brown, who did uh, tricks, and I, I equate a lot of if because he then shows you how a lot of this stuff is done. Reminds me of uh, game and level design because one of his tricks was uh, someone came to the audience, they, they they showed you the end that they arrived, and he said, uh, "I want you to tell me a, a number," and he said like number nine as an example. I don't I, I can't remember the trick. But what he says, like, the reason he said that was because all the way from this person leaving their house to them arriving here, I sent them a cab. In that cab, there's a number nine in the side of the cab. People have been walking down the street. I set up the whole environment so that they'd be seeing the number nine mm. a thousand times. <laughs> so that's the only number that's going to be in their head. It's like planting the mm. seeds, like, throughout. Yeah. Like, planting yeah. the seeds, right? <clears throat> yeah. And And this is what kind of, like, game design reminds me of is that like you have to be planting the seeds and if you planted the seed of going to the casino well it's impressive to see the fix it was good you mentioned like the knee-jerk reaction if you're a little bit maybe less experienced or not adverse to it is to go the chaotic approach right and start cutting up or breaking up the content it's like this is terrible but like yeah it's all about taking that feedback on board let's say from your feedback loop and honing in on the problem instead of just having the knee-jerk reaction to go this is all wrong this is terrible and like i've seen designers do this and it's not it's not fun to watch because sometimes you can't talk them out of it. it's like no just like really think about it and like they're so set in the ways no everyone says it's terrible but if you can get them to really think about it they kind of see the bigger picture and like even that can be a challenge itself because if it's not your work it's sometimes hard to get someone else to see that in themselves speaking of testing i actually was um wondering how difficult it must have been to just test Deathloop uh, design-wise, not like QA bugs and stuff. Like, So you have the whole flow and you can play it in so many different ways, even though you plant the seed. Uh, and obviously as a designer, you also play the game often. Like, um, What were like the main issues that were popping up? Like, You could play a, a specific area continuously, so that might become repetitive. Or I don't know, like what, what kind of like issues were popping up design-wise with, with the flow that you were finding? I sometimes do, uh, do Twitch streams where I play Deathloop and talk about the design. And this came up last stream. This is an issue that we actually uh, we, we shipped with because we couldn't fix it. And that's, it's possible to get Igor to the party without ever knowing that he was interested in going to the party. So when you get there, the lead is complete, but because you didn't have the knowledge that Igor wants to go to the party, the lead doesn't resolve. So you technically have done everything you need and that's not good. That's, that, that's, that's a problem. The, the, the game should, uh, should respect that. The, the, there's some form of fix in there in the end 
um, this was very, very late in in uh, in beta when we we're trying to solve this. I think this is like, you know, trying to get certification or something. This is like the eleventh hour, like the 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 fifty ninth minute where this issue comes up, and we're just going back and forth with the with the QA folks on this, trying to find a satisfactory solution. Like I give my input, the level designer would have their input, uh, QA would have their input. But it was kind of like a no-win situation at that point because what we would have needed was uh, the plot to branch a little bit there for there had to been like a custom outcome for that, for, for a, the, the information to adapt to that situation. So the player was then led back to the original clue and everything would be tied in a bow. But we didn't have, we didn't have the ability to make those kinds of changes because at that late, you make one change to one piece of text and then it has to be sent to like eight localization offices all around the world right. and- and uh, Re-recorded and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like maybe no re-recording at that stage, but right. still even the text changes were really expensive and like really time consuming to do. So we, um, we just had to say, okay, we didn't, we didn't win on this one. This, this one's on us. But uh, all through development, like little holes were being discovered like that. Like if you do the lead in this order, it doesn't make sense. It's happening all over the place. I'm just going to say, say that the complexity of the games that you guys build, if that's a problem, well, you know, <laughs> everybody else in the world, back off, right? Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> um, what is? True. I've never heard I mean, a player I'll, I'll... complain about it. <laughs> okay, great. I think I think that's a like that's a like hey I found I, I I you know I found behind the curtains you know it's, it's I think it's a it's a it's a challenge complete. So we've been saying lovely things about Arcane, but have you been playing anything that you go like oh that's ah uh, you know the way we're looking at you going like ah that's so good is there anything that you've been playing that goes like that's amazing. I I uh, finally dug into the um, expansion for Outer Outer Wilds, and like okay. you know, Outer Wilds is like, if not in my top five, top ten, like favorite games of, of all time. It's just I mean, the 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 mastery of of the craft on display in that game is just staggering. Um, so of course I I was uh, delighted to to jump into that. But that's one of the games that you can't talk about because you want everyone to experience it for themselves. Yes. So you can't spoil it. So like I can't even explain why it's so incredible. But just the 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 the, the dynamicism on display. But but every now and then I like to play a, a game that is it feels very much like this is a game by level designers for level designers. And I played one of those over the break. It's um it's it's a I think it's a source engine indie game called Infra. I think it's made in Finland, and this is like a this is like a thirty hour long game. It's basically Half Life Two with no combat and mist puzzles, and it, it like this game is just pure level design from start to finish. Like I'm playing through this, and it, it's a mix of like being really depressed and not uh, not depressed, impressed. <laughs> Being really, oh, well, being that's really, a big difference, well, some, some yes. of the desolation is a bit depressing <laughs> yes. at times. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of desolation in that game. It's it's a mix of being very uh, impressed and a lot of places where it's like, like oh, I would have loved to sit down with this level designer and give them feedback and be like, if you had just moved this here, just turn the doorway that way, like adjusted the way the player enters the room, like take this thing that's critical and just move it like one meter to the right, then this section would have just would have just been singing. Well, the, the game is just, it's 30 hours long. So it's so much content. So there's just so many, like, it's just idea after idea, after idea, after idea. Um, so a really impressive amount of work yeah, uh, I, they put into I, that. I super, I super <clears throat> enjoyed it. Um, I don't know if it's the sort of source engine aesthetics or the complete lack of NPCs that you can beat, but it, it felt to me almost like walking through an empty Counter-Strike server where you're just wandering around. <laughs> and, uh, suddenly yeah. the maps are all working and like D Prodigy, you can use the machines and you can figure out what's happened to all these weird empty Counter-Strike maps. Yeah. Speaking of games, you you play like Outer Wilds and Infra now. And, and are those the kind of games that inspire you for, uh, for designing 
like when you work on games because you're you're working in a specific company that makes very mm-hmm. specific games immersive sims and this i don't even know other big companies that make that so you say you were working on call of duty you could maybe get inspiration from other games that are similar first person shooters but when you're working on immersive sims you've got obviously your thieves and your do sex what kind of games inspire you for your work you know, it feels like kind of a cliche answer, but of course you can find inspiration anywhere. For my work on, on Deathloop as a, as a campaign designer, I, I had to turn my eye more to like sprawling RPGs or something like uh, another amazing game, Disco Elysium, where oh, you have all of these quest lines happening all at the same time. And like, how do you deal with the... Um, with the cognitive load of having all of these different things pulling at your attention and, and the player having to be able to parse all that and be like, this is what I want to do. And I think one of the, the most difficult and important things to achieve is to create a game where the player can make that statement because that means the game is giving them options. The player understands those options. The player And the player has identified which one of those options right now is the one that, uh, that they're most interested in. So that could, like, I can get inspiration for that from, from Disco Elysium or, or, or Breath of the Wild or any other like big open-ended game, but a game where all of those options are meaningful. You're, you're not just like uh, going down a list from, from uh, start to finish of like, well, these are my tasks in the area. So I'm gonna tick all these boxes. It's more like, this is an open-ended world. I can do what I want. What do I wanna do? And, and that was what I needed to, to look at and examine for inspiration uh, working on, on Deathloop. I spent like a year playing Skyrim while working on Deathloop. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a game that's like, that's like 100% that vibe is, is Skyrim. <laughs> I don't think I ever finished Skyrim. I just did all the side quests but, and then bounced out. So. You're, you're done with Skyrim when you're done with it. That's yeah, exactly. Dana, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you I think we should Likewise. do another recording, uh, have you back on and talk about uh, the next game or the previous next games game. in more more detail, <laughs> anything, or just have you on a, for no reason at all than having you on because you've been awesome. You're all very fun to talk to, so I would be happy to. Where can people catch you? Is Twitter the best way to... Uh, we're going to put a link to that to the, your Twitter thread. Twitter's the best way, and that's, that's where LinkedIn you can find... I think LinkedIn is a really good place. <laughs> <laughs> <You'll>... <laughs> Don't. No, 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 no LinkedIn. No LinkedIn. No. Jesus Christ. Uh, Twitter is where you can find uh, the thread that I mentioned about the Clockwork Mansion, where I, I share the early videos and so forth. And of course, GDC in March. Yes, in GDC March in March. Yes, I've got my talk, and and um, there's one more unannounced thing that I'm waiting for to be announced, and I'm really excited about it. Like I'm checking the GDC site every day. It's like, have they announced it yet? Have they announced it yet? Come on, announce it, please. <laughs> so so yeah. by the time this is out, it will be announced so we can put it in the link. I sure hope and, so. <laughs> yeah. And of course, people can go on a time loop and go back to, to develop and watch your talk on the stu- uh, level design of studio-wide effort, which was a great talk. That was a very difficult talk to put together. I'm glad you enjoyed it. That that was a very hard talk to make. It was very eye-watering. Some sad oh. moments in that talk, I guess. <laughs> yeah, oh, good. No, 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 no. I mean, what I said at the beginning, that this is, you know, this podcast is a look at the world of game development through the lens of level design, right? And your talk did kind of show you like how the whole studio is involved, you know, <laughs> in level design so like yes point proved i am vindicated well they've been um gdc has been putting their talks up on youtube so i hope that 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 one will be uh oh but um i did the talk at game camp okay that's that's the 40 minute version of the talk at gdc i gave a 60 minute version of it so that's the one that you even you haven't uh seen the the full version that talk mark okay, I, 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 I had to cut like uh it's the uh, director's it. version yeah. will be released another time with those 20 extra minutes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the director's cut well it's been an absolute pleasure thank you everybody and come back next time and i sure will see you soon yeah thanks all bye bye bye
hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Level Design Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter via at leveldesignfm or email us at show at leveldesign.fm. Our hosts are Mark Drew, Jonathan Wilson, Valentina Chrysostomo, and Rob McLaughlin. Editing was by Matthew Lever, and the production was by Anna Tumurova. Our theme tune is by the awesome James Elsie. This has been a Command Studios production.